brute force. If it doesn't work, you're just not using enough. You're listening to Software Radio, special operations military news, and straight talk with the guys in the community. Stop Rep Radio, on time, on target. This show is brought to you by Crate Club, a club for men, by men, of gear handpicked by special operations military veterans. Visit CrateClub.us for an exclusive promotion for our listeners of 20% off any gearbox of your choice. This is the biggest discount we've ever made available, and we don't know how long we can keep this promotion live. So go to CrateClub.us, use the coupon code SOFTREP, and you'll get 20% off any gearbox. That's crateclub.us. Coupon code SOFTREP for 20% off any gearbox. Sign up now. With that, back on the show are two guys that I felt were an awesome fit. Uh, we have CJ Woodruff on by Skype, and I am hoping I'm going to say your name correctly. Doug, Doug, Doug Kachijan. Got it. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, is here. And to give some background, if you haven't listened to those two episodes, Doug, who's in studio with me, retired Air Force PJ, now a physical therapist and the CEO of Resilient Performance Systems. Uh, And you also have your own podcast, Resilient Performance Podcast. Correct. I'm not as active as you are, but yeah. I I did see there was a recent one though, right? Like a couple weeks back. We just started releasing a couple episodes, but I hadn't done one in like over a year prior to that. a lot very time consuming, as you know. This is true. And and Jack's been on. Right. People want to listen to that one. I think I was in studio when he did that because he did it by Skype at the time. Um, and CJ's background, retired Marine, personal trainer. Uh, I mean, there's so many other things. You've, you've also competed in bodybuilding. Well, what else yeah. should I put in, put in there? Uh, well, I, th- I think what's funny is like you, you introduced uh, the, the badass PJ with the awesome resume. And I'm like, I mean, like, I don't know. I've done some stuff. <laughs> no, I've, yeah, I, I took the, uh, the non-traditional route in fitness and definitely uh, have done a lot of things from being a social media influencer in different arenas uh, to bodybuilding, fitness modeling, uh, starting my own business. I owned a gym here in uh, North Austin. And, uh, you know, and then, you know, went through a shitty divorce and sold everything and then decided I was going to do videography for a minute. So I, I have a weird story, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which we, we get a little into on the first show that you were on, but things have even changed then because at the time you were, uh, like one of the spokespeople for, um, primeval labs. I don't know yeah. if you want to get into that. Cause I I've seen your stuff since where you're like, ah, oh, I'll tell the story of why I'm no longer there. And I, I haven't heard you really discuss why, if, if you want to, it's, you know, dude, I'm totally, I, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm an open book, man. And, uh, so primeval, first of all, was absolutely incredible to me. They were, they were awesome. Uh, Anthony Ryan are incredible guys that run the organization. Um, it really, they did, they did a, they did great by me. It's the, the truth is, is that I am a very passion driven individual that that I, I need to really connect with what I'm doing on a deeper level than just the monetary value. I, I really got to care about it. Right. And not to say I don't believe in their supplements. It's just, you know, when I started, as you know, I was doing price plow where yeah. we reviewed, we were as a non-biased kind of deal where we were reviewing supplements and whatnot. And, um, 
I just, I always knew back then that like, it would be very hard for me to tie myself to a single brand or like to kind of just go balls deep into one organization. Right. And and I think that it just kind of was slowly chipping away at me for the most part. And, um, again, I I love their stuff. It's just hard to, I guess, be kind of tied to one thing for me because I think that there's so much awesome shit out there and, um, you know, not even just supplements. I just like to stay agnostic and fitness in general. And, uh, so it was, it was actually a mutual decision just to kind of separate and go different ways. Um, I, I felt like it was painful making like a, you know, it's like the pre-workout I'm doing these like little spokesperson videos or whatever. And it was, it was kind of painful inside. Cause I feel like I feel cheesy, like a little infomercially, you know what I mean? Yeah. Do you think with, cause I, I watch the videos you put out as well as the videos that are just big in the online fitness community. Do you think the whole supplement world has been kind of like overblown? I think there's kids who are just getting into fitness and they think I'm going to take all these products and I'm going to be checked. And we all know 100%. like a, a lot of it is, it ends up being placebo, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. And I'm, I'm sure the, the physical therapist sitting next to you will tell you the same thing. It's, I mean, here's the deal. Like actually probably you see it mostly like uh, glucosamine and chondroitin and some of those kind of, uh, you know, th- there's a lot of, um, I would say that there's a lot of, uh, either not solid objective, uh, evidence, uh, that kind of leaves these gray areas with supplements that people try to capitalize on really like overhyping them. Uh, or you have things that blatantly just have you know, we've, we've learned that they don't work altogether, but they're still marketable to the mainstream, uh, because they're not digging into new age studies and whatnot. And, and so it, it like BCAAs as an example, it's like, you know, I'm not going to sit here and harp on BCAAs and say that they're the worst thing in the world, but the idea that these are some sort of, uh, worthwhile investment for muscle protein synthesis is a joke, um, you know, to the larger scale of things. And so yeah, I don't know, man, there's just a lot to it, but I think that I've always took the stance, even though I was the supplement guy is like, supplements are the final thing to address in a nutritional regimen period. You know what I mean? It's supplement by definition. So the last thing that people need to worry about is, is supplements. Like what's your workout? What's your recovery? What's your, you know, fill in the blank. There's a fuck ton of stuff to worry about before that. Yeah. Do you have anything to add to that, Doug? I think that's great. I mean, uh, no, to your point, CJ, a lot of this stuff comes down to people just doing the basics. And I work with people who are like, Oh, what's the best, pre-workout. And meanwhile, these are people who can't do like a push-up or a pull-up with good form. They drank 30 beers in the weekends, their nutrition stinks. And it's like, so to think that you're you gonna, talking about me, yeah. that you? <laughs> to think you're going to get a huge effect from like, from a supplement when you don't have the, like you said, it's, it's the last thing that you want to worry about. So the analogy of like, if you're trying to fill a jar, right, you fill it with the, the really big rocks then the smaller rocks and then the grains of sand. And a lot of times these supplements are the, the grains of sand. So I think there's a couple of scenarios. One is that, you know, like it doesn't do anything and you're wasting your money. One is that it has a small effect at best, which very few of them even have that. And then the, the worst case scenario is for a lot of organizations, whether it's like the military or NCAA or even pro sports, because some of these supplements aren't regulated that well, they, they have things in them that can cause people to fail a drug test. And that's the worst. Cause to me, if you're going to fail a drug test, you may as well be deliberately cheating and use something that works. But what's, I mean, obviously every person who fails a drug test now is like, Oh, I was taking a supplement and it's probably bullshit a lot of the time, but I'm sure there are situations where yeah. people were not trying to quote unquote cheat, took a supplement that was contaminated and now they're, they're out a year and their reputation is tarnished. So you've got to be really careful with this stuff. And there's and a lot of times there's very little upside, but a high downside. I'm curious your thoughts on, um, and I, uh, sorry, you know, I don't want to make this like just a supplement talk or anything, no, but this I, is, I find this, this is interesting. Great, yeah. Um, so 
I, I like what you said. hundred percent on board with everything that you're saying. What's interesting to me is, is the, um, kind of the paradox of like, like regulation versus, um, kind of the freedoms in the industry. So, so if you think about like on one hand, we have of course the FDA and other governing bodies that are, uh, essentially trying to, I would say, I mean, I guess the ultimate goal, what we're sold anyway, is that it's trying to keep us safe, right? It's, it's like making sure that there's not bullshit out there and it's not the wild, wild west in the supplement industry, which is a good thing. But we also see examples of this where that kind of power swing goes, it has an alternative motive or it, or it really swings too hard one way. And then you have supplement companies that the same thing. You've got some that are really using the system, uh, the, the lack of regulation in their benefit. Um, but then you also have some that are, that are legitimate, but they're handcuffed to these tighter regulations, um, which, which then goes into drug tested sports, right? So for instance, um, you have, yes, drug tested sports, but what exactly does that mean? Like it, it, it's interesting to me how subjective that is in itself, right? Is if it's water rules, well, technically what I'm not supposed to take caffeine prior to training. And then how far does that go? How far does that swing? Um, what is cheating and what is not cheating and, and how each organization in and of itself really has different rules. So it, it's just a weird paradox to me. And I'm not sure what exactly the answer is. You know what I'm saying? Like a part of me thinks like, oh yeah, well these supplements have something in that's going to make you pop. But how the fuck do you get around that when you have like every organization wants to have different standards? Does that make sense? That's such a great question. I mean, I, I love the, uh, like the free market regulation debate in, in any area. I think when it comes to supplements, a big thing is just transparency. I don't know if necessarily like the FDA and giving the government that power is the answer. But I do know there are supplements, supplement companies that put things in their supplements that aren't listed. And so without yeah, that transparency, at a minimum, even if I, I've seen like even sort of civilian, you know, non-government watchdog agencies that like keep a list of manufacturers they know are doing things in a transparent way. So like these are kind of like the safe brands. Um, mm-hmm. But even in the, you know, we were talking offline a little bit like with the, um, the, the, the healthcare industry and like versus being a trainer. And a lot of the reason why people like being like a, a medical service is because, first of all, like you and I, there's probably a lot of overlap between what we do on a day-to-day basis as a trainer or a PT. Like we're getting people to move and help them to achieve their their goals through through movement, right? Why do people like to be PTs or medical providers? Well, number one, because health insurance companies pay for that, right? So that, that gives yeah. you like a whole other market and people think, well, it's free because health insurance is paying for it, even though it's not really free, as you know. But then the, yeah. the other side of that is once something becomes more regulated, which a medical service like PT is, then it becomes a contest to see who can lobby the government the best to stifle competition. So yeah. I know a lot of PTs who are like, oh, well, you know, I saw a personal trainer like rubbing someone's leg with a massage, massage stick. They shouldn't be able to do that. It's unsafe. It's manual therapy. And to me, that is like a complete crock of shit. It's like they're just someone's threatening their market share and they're trying to yeah. do this whole like they're, they're try, it's this facade of public safety where they're demanding more regulation to stifle competition. And, you know, there, there are other professions that do that to physical therapy where it's like, well, you know, an acupuncturist might say a physical therapy shouldn't be allowed to do medical acupuncture because they don't have 500 hours of training. And it's again, oftentimes these things aren't about safety. They're about stifling competition. So that's why, yeah. like you said, people can talk about safety, but often there is an ulterior motive when yeah. you regulate things. So I'm not, I'm more of like a free market kind of person. I recognize that some regulation is necessary for a minimum safety standard, but it gets very tricky when you try to figure out what those boundaries are. So that's a really good question. You know, I mean, it's an it's, endless it, debate. 
and you, you probably run into this all the time because probably what, what, the way I always look at, like, if I look at the hierarchy of like fitness, uh, with, with our genre of careers, you have, uh, like a, you know, your PhD or, you know, your, your doctor, you, then you have your physical therapist and then trickle down to your, your everyday personal trainer. Right. Um, what's interesting to me is how, like from the doctor level from the, in my, you know, my mom has been a nurse my entire life. I've been around hospitals in the medical industry, uh, mo- most of my life. And, how often you see doctors who are completely unqualified to give fitness advice of any kind or nutrition advice, uh, but they have this, like you said, kind of like this hierarchy of power, um, and they're they're suggesting the, these tribalistic fad diets or whatever it may be, and it's, you know, I mean, look at a gastric bypass surgery, right? Like, like what what an interesting concept that we actually have something that's so evasive like that that can be covered by your your insurance. You know what I mean? Like that's it's mind boggling to me, actually. The uh, uh, but but also I'm I'm not suggesting an answer because like there's a part of me that is like, man, that's fucked up. But then I'm also like, well, there has to be regulation somewhere. There has to be some sort of control, right? Yeah, there has to be control, but I, I think that the problem with the system now is that the the consumer doesn't actually have a lot of choice because it's so regulated that certain things are dictated to you by a health insurance company. So, like, if it, let's say whatever your goal is, let's say it's something that's more like orthopedic or fitness related, you have back pain or knee pain. Like yeah. in, in my ideal world, assuming that health insurance wanted to help you with that, and I, I think it's even problematic to say that health insurance should pay for every routine medical expenditure because that's not how insurance works in other markets. And I think that mm-hmm. it incentivizes overspending and some of the more invasive things that might not always be necessary. But assuming yeah. that you know health insurance companies were going to pay for some of this stuff and you have like lower back pain or knee pain, I think a, a, a better solution than what we have now is the health insurance company says, okay you have whatever X diagnosis, like we're willing to spend, you know, let's say $500 to, to, to help you receive care. It's up to you how you want to do that. And now you have, and that might even include going to a personal trainer, because if I'm yeah. being honest, there are personal trainers who I think can help people with knee or back pain more than an inept physical so, therapist. So they treat it. You're, you're talking about treating it almost like auto insurance, right? Where you have like the, the person that processes the claim and then you decide what mechanic or whatever you're going to go to or how you're going to deal with it, right? Right. Let, let market-driven forces drive competition so that people actually have to compete yeah. on price and efficiency versus it's kind of like a, a gravy train. And it, like, it, I think it, 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 does, it stifles innovation and promotes some complacency when you know that no matter what you do, you're going to get money from the insurance company. You're going to be authorized a certain number of visits. So, and ultimately yeah. like the, it's, it's kind of patronizing cause it's like, well, the consumer doesn't know what's good for them. So we're going to regulate it and tell them what's good. Like, I don't think that's working very well. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah. I think, no, I, yeah. yeah, I don't know you that well, but I, I feel like we probably agree politically on how some of these things should be handled just based on our I, limited yep. interactions. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that was fast. Look, I, see, we like each other. Yeah, we like <laughs> each other. Yeah, it didn't That's take why long. I knew this was a good pair. When he asked me the question about free markets and healthcare, I'm like, I know where the money's going <laughs> with this. Yeah. Nice. Um, yeah. So Ian, I was uh, looking over your uh, Frank Zane article. That's uh, interesting. He is a, what an interesting character, man. He is. I, I actually got to be a part of an interview we did with him on uh, on Brandon's podcast, The Power of Thought. And it was because of that interview that I referenced. So yeah, what CJ is referencing, though, is I did an article for the loadout room uh, called EARN, A Simple But Effective Way of Mastering Your fist, Fitness uh, Regimen. And you know, it's so funny. I, I was in the gym last night for the first time in like two weeks. I feel like I'm not qualified to even be talking about fitness right now. I was out of commission for a little bit for a few things. But um, 
And anyway, I, this actually goes back to, I think, what we started the podcast with when we we're talking about the supplement thing. I think it's those four things really complete the whole puzzle, I think, of just having a good fitness regimen no matter what you do, which is exercise, attitude, recovery, nutrition. I think all were equally important, and that's why I decided to write an article about it. And uh, yeah. yeah, it's gotten some good feedback thus far, but he, he very much is an interesting guy and doesn't fit the stereotype of this you know, quote, air quotes, dumb bodybuilder or something. He's, he's a smart dude. I think there were, there were a few guys that in my opinion were ahead of their time, you know, like, um, God, what's another one? Was it, uh, I mean, Arnold Schwarzenegger is the obvious one. Yeah. I think, yeah. But I, I do think that Arnold though, still like, I mean this, I would never speak illy of the great, right? <laughs> uh, he, he's the great in bodybuilding, but I've never, I, I feel like there's a lot of people that look at him as an academic and, and there was never a level of me that, that, anything, whether what I read of his or whatever, that it struck me as like, this guy is like ahead of the curve with his mindset on fitness. I think he was an incredibly hardworking, gifted individual that, that was very charismatic, um, a great superstar for the sport. Um, but I think guys like Frank Zane and, uh, I'm trying to think of the guy's name. Uh, there was a guy that, that was an uh, old school Olympian, um, but he was one of like that. He actually wrote that he was essentially doing flexible dieting back in the, you know, whatever it was like the early eighties or whatever. Like, like he was, he was talking about, he was like, you know, I, I didn't do this whole chicken and brown rice thing. He was like, fuck, I ate ice cream every once in a while. I just made sure I stayed under 2000 calories. And you know, the, there are these guys like that, that I think, you know, who is another one is, um, Dorian Yates. I think Dorian Yates was also kind of a more of a, like I said, like an academic towards it, right? Like he Although really focused if, if in on heard, the, If you've heard recent interviews of Dorian Yates getting political, it's almost hard for me to take the guy seriously with oh, some of his- I haven't uh, seen it. So he, he did an interview with Dave Palumbo and the guy is like flat out a Holocaust denier. Like he, he doesn't think that people were, <laughs> yeah. you know, like starved and gassed in the Holocaust. And, oh and it's like, God. it's hard because the guy is obviously brilliant on other things, but yeah. it's hard for me to kind of look at you the same way after you say such ridiculous things. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's scientifically proven. You can actually be retarded in only certain parts of your brain. So yeah, it's, yeah he's the Holocaust. <laughs> there, there's well, there's also people who are just so open to conspiracy. I think they learn like that yeah. we've been lied to about so many things. And then it becomes that we've been lied to about everything. Uh, but the, the reason I do mention Arnold actually, and I think people don't realize this or forget about this if you watch it's on the dvd of pumping iron the um there's like something they did i think for an anniversary edition of behind the scenes type of thing interview with arnold and people don't realize that before arnold schwarzenegger like just working out going to a gym lifting weights was like this weird subculture in america yeah. and in the world it was honestly and they do talk about it, it was honestly like a gay subculture you were like mm -hmm. a weird dude if you went to the gym and lifted weights and when actors put on muscle for parts, they didn't even like to say that they were going to the gym because it was considered so weird. And Arnold brought this yeah. to the mainstream. And, and I think anybody who's like a fitness enthusiast today yeah. owes something to Arnold Schwarzenegger for 100% for popularizing it. And I think that there's a difference between the influencer and the, the, the one pushing uh, the innovator. The influencer and the innovator are two different things. And for me, Arnold, no doubt, one of the greatest influencers of all time, changed the game. Like that, you you couldn't have had. Like, look, Frank Zane is amazing. Wasn't half as charismatic and half as polarizing as Arnold Schwarzenegger. So it, it's kind of like, like I used to tell people, you know, uh, in the fitness industry, I'm like, 
it's interesting to me how you have two two segments. You have folks that are really pushing the um, the the to be smarter and to to you know dig into research and be the greatest at their craft. And then there's this other section of like the bros or the Instagram booty girls that are that are good at marketing essentially, sure. right? Um, the, the the game is right there in the middle though. Yes. It's it's that the the booty girl always beats you. You know, like like the the, the nerd does not win in this by itself. So how do I become a charismatic academic? You know, how do I, you know, a spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down. And I think that that's, that's embodies really Arnold's, you know, presence. But I don't think that Arnold was, even now when I listen to him talk, you know, he, he's, he never embraced, like, I think a deeper understanding of fitness. I think that he just, he was really good at it and he was polarizing into, does that make sense? And maybe I'm completely wrong about this, but that was just kind of all this impression I got with him. I mean, I think everybody is is entitled to their own impression of how they see someone. <laughs> I'm killing really. his hero. I'm sorry, Ian. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I, I I understand what you're saying, though. I mean, Frank Zane yeah. is a guy who was a uh, he was a teacher in some type of science. So, I mean, I he he has a more academic background than right. someone like someone like Schwarzenegger, of course. I think, though, to your to your point, CJ, kind of what you're saying is that a lot of what we're seeing in fitness is not new. It's just old things that have been repackaged. Like, yeah. and you know, now with like social media, everything is a contest for attention. And you even made the point Ian, that you were like, well, I'm not like qualified to talk about fitness. The problem <laughs> is like people have made fitness so overcomplicated because yeah. it's a great way to market yourself. Like if you make everything such a big deal, like, all fitness is, is figuring out like, what do you want to physically be able to do? Sure. And then working backwards for your, from your goals. Like the gym is just a yeah. means to an end. If you're even in the military, like if you just want to be a good Marine or a good soldier, like you could do that and not lift a single weight. Like I think yeah. lifting weights is an effective way to help achieve that end, but every exercise is a means to an end. So where the, where the field is of fitness and even physical therapy, like you said, CJ, with this whole, like you've got the the really academically oriented crowd on one side and then kind of like more of the, the meatheads on the other. It definitely is somewhere in the middle because like the meatheads do things where it's like they, they're not even remotely theoretically rigorous about what they're doing and they make these claims mm-hmm. that are totally outrageous. But then I see this in PT a lot where there are people who are very research oriented and, and all they do is quote studies, but I wouldn't yeah. want them to treat me or a family member because they don't know how to apply anything. Yes. They're so they're so into theory and they just split hairs over like every word that somebody says that it's like they get lost in the minutia, in my opinion. And so you need someone who can actually like apply the craft, but also appreciates the theoretical and the academic aspect of it too. And that that's rare in, in this day and age because everything now like has to be one extreme or the other. And how you kind of you know cater to your echo chamber is to kind of say one thing and have a really really strong message. But a lot of this stuff is about trial and error and nuance and uncertainty. Yeah. And so whenever someone like claims to have the answer one way or the other, like I kind of, I run away from those people. Cause it's like, there's a lot of gray. Yeah. Oh yeah. We live in a gray area and that's the, that, and it's hard because I think that people, I think it's scary for people. I, I I've really tried to spend time tackling the, this concept of why do we need such hard lines all the time? And this mm-hmm. is politics. This is re- religion. This is like, you name it, but we have to have these, these quote unquote objective truths. Yeah. And the only thing I can come to is that people must be fearful of not being able to stand on solid ground. You know, if the idea of the ground might move, 
uh, is there, then, then it, maybe it provides anxiety and maybe that leads to these kind of pockets of tribalism or whatever. And, and, uh, and what that sucks because it, it leaves you completely devoid of being able to grow and advance and adapt, you know, um, it's just a, it's, it's a tricky world we live in, man. And, you know, I, I was listening to what you were saying about like the, uh, application. One of the things I tell my clients all the time is cause I'm, look, I'm big on, if we're going through a deadlift, I want to really give you more detail than you probably would expect about a, something as simple as a deadlift. I, I really want to show you uh, the the deeper understanding of it. Now, with that said, the, the, the unfortunate trade-off is is that some folks that are real OCD about like you know really getting it right, that turns into this this forfeiting of of effort to try to be perfect, right? Yeah, uh, and that's, yeah. yeah, that's like the pretentious guy that's quoting uh, studies or whatever. And it's like, well, so I always remind them, I'm like, here's the thing that the bros got right. They fucking worked hard. You know what I mean? I'm like, yeah. you cannot sacrifice that for anything. So, you know, something I wanted to ask both of you guys, since you, you've had such a, um, just a versatile background after your military careers now in the fitness world is there something, CJ, you would change about the fitness regimen of the Marines and, and for you, Doug, in, oh, in the yeah. Air Force? <laughs> I'll let CJ go first. A hundred percent. I mean, well, now keep in mind, uh, I got out in 2010. So things, I, I think they've already are starting to change the uh, whatever the uh, the PFT standards or whatever are like, I think they're doing like the ammo can. And so I, I don't want to speak for the current state of the Marine Corps, but when I was in, you know, the three mile run, the pull-ups, the sit-ups, it's kind of like, to me, I, as a, as a fitness professional now, I look at it like, uh, like the combine in football, right? Congratulations. You can do 225 a bunch of times. What does that fucking matter to being a wide receiver? Um, <laughs> it's, it's interesting to me, right? Like I get the standardization, but it, it's, it doesn't really make sense to the sport, the specificity of the sport that we're playing, right? In the military, now I'm not saying it's easy, right? Because the military is complex. But the the, the least likely thing that's going to happen is you need to run three miles <laughs> in shorts. You know what I'm saying? Like, so what exactly am I training for in general? Is it just general fitness? And like, and why why is that such a big? So for me, I, I think more of a diverse kind of, I hate to use the word CrossFit, you know, it's, it's just a brand that everybody, you know, but some sort of, I would say anaerobic capacity meets, uh, you know, a little bit of strength training and some aerobic endurance, like, uh, but a diverse, you know, style of training would be my suggestion. And then also just to speak to this, the standards of, uh, being a fat body or not, right. Like the military, uh, has the, uh, you know, if you're obese or whatever, Number one, they do, I think it's height, weight first. So BMI, which is, which is trash, right? I'm, I'm 180 pounds at five foot nine. Apparently I'm obese or overweight at least. So, so then they go to tape measurements though, to see if you're, you know, what your waist is or whatever. Even that though, doesn't like the circumference of your arm doesn't tell you if it's a fat arm or not. So I think there are some old school things within the, the fitness regimen that definitely need to be revisited if they haven't already. Yeah. I, I love the, uh, the NFL combine analogy and i'm gonna get there in a minute because actually like the military is turning into the nfl combine now um but first of all people a lot of the tests that the military does like they're admittedly not good tests but it's just because like the logistics if you have a battalion of hundreds of marines like are you going to have this really scientific specific test no it's like we can get 200 people to run around a track or around a you know whatever do a running course they they can do push-ups get a bunch of pull-up bars so a lot of these tests are driven by logistical constraints 
in, and this is just me talking in my ideal world after selection there, especially like in a soft unit where it's smaller and more decentralized, I wouldn't even have an annual uh, PT test because there's already so many objectives that you have to cover that if you're doing the right job specific training, you should know if you're physically prepared. Like if you're doing a full mission profile with a long infill and a lot of kit and like you're not falling out and you're keeping up with whatever the standard is for how fast you want your team to do a tactical movement, then you're good. If you're like a PJ and you're dragging litters and you're keeping up with the team or whatever the standard is, like you shouldn't have to do some physical test in the gym that's totally tangential to what you're doing. The problem with the military is it's a large organization and the military is not okay with decentralization. So they, they'll have these objective tests that like, you know, it's a minimum standard and it allows a commander or whoever to say, look, we're prepared when really it's like, does being able to run three miles mean that you're physically prepared? Probably not. So with, like I said, with the right job specific training, you should already know. And then guys can just do whatever they want in the gym or on their own, as long as they're meeting that team standard and they they have the right, you know, like full mission profiles and, and job and scenario based training. What the, the soft community in particular is doing is there's so much scrutiny on like, what's the best PT test, which I think is the wrong question because again, the test is just one more box to check. It's almost like doing your annual government credit card training or your, you know, like whatever mm-hmm. the, the thing is to kind of like keep you qualified just so you, you can justify your worth to the, the commanders. But so the, like, I know the air force in particular, they've been fixating on this PT test for years and they've spent millions of dollars hiring these think tanks to research, like what's the best test. And at least now what, what they've come up with is almost to a T the NFL combine because they hire people like they'll hire like you know, NFL strength coaches or people who worked in pro sports and their bias and their lens through which they look at fitness is the NFL or the NBA. So I'm assuming these guys, most of them have never been in combat. So it's right. I'm not even saying you have to be in combat to understand because you, you can, you can be a a good like trainer and evaluate the the needs of the job and, and come to a good conclusion without having done it yourself. Like there are, there are good coaches like Bill Belichick, didn't play in the NFL, but he knows how to coach. So I don't want to be self-righteous and be like, well, if you're not in the military, you can never do it. But so they hired this think tank and what they came up with was basically the NFL combine, but it's done in it's done in camis and boots. So like they're doing a five, 10, five, like a pro agility drill, a 40 yard dash, 300 yard shuttle, like, like literally all these things that like haven't even really been validated in team sports, but they just add, they literally added camis and boots. Yeah. And, and like, so one of the tests is a deadlift, which I think a deadlift could actually be a decent test if you're going to have a test. But like they, one of the stipulations is that it's done in boots. Like that really makes a difference that you're going to make someone deadlift in combat boots. Um, so like, that's what they've come up with after millions of dollars. Millions so this, of dollars and later. Just, we've got an idea. We take what football is doing and we do it in camis. Got it. <laughs> right. And then, and then they might've, they might've added like a, like a ruck to it, but like to your point, CJ, even in the NFL, like you get, there's a, a point where like you're fast enough to play receiver in the NFL. And then it's about football specific skill. So like I, I wouldn't, if I was an NFL GM, I wouldn't draft an, a receiver that ran a five Oh 40, but yeah. really like whether someone runs a four five or a four three, shouldn't be influencing your decision at all. It should be like looking at the film and watching them actually play the game or play the sport. So um, this is a really controversial and problematic issue, even in the military, because they've put millions of dollars into it. And the best they can come up with right now is pretty much the NFL combine wearing combat boots. So uh, it could definitely be better even now. What I'm wondering, why wouldn't they, why wouldn't the military hire someone like you? And it's not just to talk up what you do, but you have the background, you've been there. 
I would think you'd you'd kind of be the guy that they would go to for something like that. Well, I mean, I'm not I'm not like I'm not a savvy government contractor, which like that's a huge part of this, right? Because yeah. Yeah. to procure a government contract that's worth millions of dollars, like you have to know the system and you have to have an infrastructure in place to be able to procure the contract. And then the military just they want com- they want unnecessary complication, like. My shit would be so simple. I could be like, like literally I'll write a blog post and just do this, you know, like it doesn't need to be, yeah. like I said, if it were up to me, especially in like a soft community, there wouldn't even be a test after selection. It would like, if you have the right culture of accountability, that's the, e- the easiest thing to do is to be physically prepared. Mm-hmm. Whether like you've spent enough range time, you've jumped enough. That's the hard part, right? Like being in shape is, is like literally anyone can do that. Yeah. If I was going to have a test, it would be probably like pull-ups with, you know, 20 or 30 pounds of extra weight in an LBE, every test would be pass fail. There would be no point scale because once you're fit enough, if you have a point scale, now you incentivize people to chase these arbitrary standards that actually don't help you and could be harmful. So if being able to do like eight pull-ups is all you need to be, to do the job competently, being able to do 30 or trying to do 30 is actually going to detract from things you should be spending time on, which is your job. So it would be some kind of a weighted pull-up test it would be probably like a, a trap bar deadlift where you pick up, say, 300 pounds and then walk with it for 100 feet to simulate picking up a litter and walking with it, which is very task-specific. And then I'd probably have, for aerobic fitness, something you could standardize, like a, a treadmill test where you put it up to like a 25% incline, wear your full combat load, like 70 pounds, have a predetermined speed and duration. And it, again, it would be pass-fail. And like that would literally be the test. Like those three things, there would be no running around and chasing cones and doing things that even in testing have a high potential for injury, but don't tell you anything. Cause yeah. the military is about now collecting data sometimes like for its own sake, you can collect data. It doesn't mean that it's worthwhile data. Like great. You have information, but how are you applying it? And even when the military hired these think tanks to quote unquote validate the test, all they did was they just ran a bunch of operators through what they think is a good test collected right. data and said, now we validated our test. All you did was you just collected yeah. arbitrary data to really validate a test. You would have to have a gold standard and there's no gold standard for military fitness because the gold standard is doing the job, which is very hard to quantify because every mission is different. So, so there's actually a you, lot of, di- yeah, I'm curious if like you do. So I, I, you're, he's absolutely right. The thing about specificity is it's more specific than people want to think, right? Um, it's like the, the way that I always put it is like, you might be able to skateboard real good. It doesn't mean you can snowboard. It doesn't mean you can surf, right? Yeah. Like specificity is a very particular uh, efficiency in, in that you, you think the you know central nervous system to the peripheral nervous system to uh, action potential that like there's so much that goes into that, that, that essentially we're training ourselves to be good at a particular thing. Uh, Lance Armstrong got good at the bike for, by riding the fucking bike, not running. Right. Yeah. Um, well, I may be doing a little gear, whatever, but, but <laughs> <laughs> so, um, no, but, um, you know, so, so it's interesting though, because with in training, like I obviously do a lot of programming for people and one of the hardest things on the planet to program for are uh, folks that are interested in like CrossFit or that kind of cross train, the new genre of cross training, because like how exactly do I do an undulated or linear periodization model for somebody that essentially finds out the workout the day before, and it could be swimming or it could be running or it could be climbing or it could, you know, and so like the best you're stuck with is this kind of random periodization and like maybe some structure within there. It's like you kind of map your clean and jerk, but like it's, it's weird. And I think the military is subject to the same issue, right? It's like, 
it's too complex. Like, like you said, I like the idea of taking away the scoring and just saying pass or fail. Like here's, you know what I mean? Like that, that's, that's beautiful. I also think it might get rid of some of the bureaucracy within there. If you think like these units are trying to be like the best PT units and there's so much emphasis and energy that goes into that and it's horseshit, right? What you're saying makes total sense to me. I, I could actually just apply it to what I do in radio. So I am not, people assume, oh, you're a radio guy. I am not the most tech savvy guy. So when we got all this equipment for the podcast when we were at the old studio, they they had it all and they're like, Ian, put all this together. I'm like, I have no fucking clue how to put all this stuff together. <laughs> Once it's in front of me, I know how to work it. But, you know, I went to Hofstra University for radio. I learned about the formatics of radio, working aboard, all of that great stuff. But there are people who are much more savvy on computers and and you're talking about two different things that are in the same realm or several different things in the same realm. Mm-hmm. And, and I think what you're saying about specificity definitely, uh, resonates but, with me. But yeah, I think a, a good analogy to use, even for training, like a, like a CrossFit thing, cause the idea that like the military is so kind of chaotic that you can't prepare for it. Well, the military does it all the time. So like, as you know, in a soft unit, like you've got to be dive qualified, free fall qualified to your tactics, your medicine, all these different things. So, and even in like MMA, right? Like MMA now you've got to be competent in striking and groundwork and submissions and in wrestling and transitions. So the way that you train for it is you basically try to figure out like what individual skills are you weak at? And then in different parts of the year, you might prioritize different areas. And then as you get closer to your deployment or your competition or your, you know, your match, then you kind of do like your full mission profiles, your sparring. So you've got to train some of the, the components individually to develop them. And then once you kind of have the individual pieces, then you can kind of combine them. But the difference is to be like to compete in the CrossFit games. That is, that is elite sport. It's like being in the NBA or the NFL. You don't have to be, have a CrossFit games level of fitness to even be in a soft unit. And that's where people get confused. Like the military loves to pump its own tires and say, well, like, like you said, it's a point of pride to have like the highest PT standards. But once, once people get through selection to me, it's like, if you're doing your job, you're fine. Like the guys in the NBA right now who are in the playoffs, they're not like being withheld from games because they can't do a certain number of pushups or deadlift a certain amount of weight. Right. It's like they're, they're playing in the games. And if you're putting up numbers and you're helping your team win, then you're playing like they're not. Yeah. I'll throw one, one wrench into this for you because this is, would be my one caveat to what I I think all of your suggestions that, and I think all the exercises you mentioned would be, would be legitimate, like uh, good replacements. My only issue with like, let's say that the the Marine Corps as an example, keeps the standardization exactly where it is. And and really that's all it is, right? Like it just, just, can you run three miles? Can you do pull-ups? Can you do sit-ups? Okay. I'm with that. The problem that I got is three miles at slow, steady pace or this whole idea of like what we have with these kind of long distance ends up to actually leading to more injuries, which, which I think negatively affects us as a whole. So at the very least, I think we should at least try to address the fact that like it needs to be a fitness test that it practically makes sense to not hurting people like boots and youths for a five mile run is, I mean, yeah, that is the best way to fuck somebody's back or knees or well, actually who I'm preaching to the choir here, dude, I got the pro over here. Like, no, I totally agree, man. I mean, it, here's the thing. When you, when you test something, you incentivize people to prepare for that test. So if you're making long distance running a test, people are going to train for that test. And to me, long distance running in a military community, like the, everything has a risk and a reward, but like the upside for what you're going to get 
and, and what, what you're risking with that orthopedic cost of all that cumulative running to me is not worth it because the job itself is inherently stressful enough. If you're jumping out of planes and doing all these things that why are like, why are you subjecting yourself to that orthopedic cost when you don't do long distance running? So at least if you're walking uphill on a treadmill, you can justify, well, like I actually have to do this for my job. Right. And that's why I don't like the point scale on some of these things, because on some of the the proposed air force tests, it was like to max the test, you had to trap our deadlift, like 500 pounds, three or four times. Like what's once you can do 300 pounds or 350, if that's enough, now you're incentivizing someone to take on all this additional risk to achieve a number that's totally arbitrary. So they could say, I max the test. So you have to know the psychology of your people. And especially like in a, the military or in a soft unit, no one's going to be content with the minimums. And so if you have a point scale, everyone's going to try to chase these arbitrary numbers. And there's a cost to doing that. Like the people, the researchers think that it exists in a vacuum because in a study, the variables are very controlled, but we don't work in a vacuum. We work in like, they're doing other things that are also stressful to their body besides deadlifting. And if you're trying to incentivize a 500 pound deadlift, it's coming at a cost that you, I don't think you can justify. I used to say our three mile, our three mile run in the Marine Corps, the perfect score was in 18, uh, 18 minutes. And like, he is still to this day, I, I've been 12 years as a fitness professional. I'm like, that is fucking fast. Like, you know what I mean? I'm like three. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not like, I'm not a pro. Run. I know the people out there listening and they're like, yeah, dude, that's not that bad. I'm like, look, three consistent six minute miles. Like in what I saw Marines, average fucking Marines having to go through to try to chase this 300 PFT. It was, it's a joke. You know what I mean? What would for a ribbon or some shit? Like what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> Have either of you guys in your practice had to prepare someone for any type of military training? Um, I was, I would like sometimes lead some of the fitness, like the, the, you know, the prepackaged fitness, the like workouts that we would do, but it was, I just mean like has, has a 16 year old, 17 year old, you know, been like, oh, okay. Hey, I, I, I want to do what you did. I want to be a Marine. I, so I currently actually, um, I just had a consultation with a girl who is wanting to go into army basic training and she can't do a push up, And so I am working with her. I think that I'm essentially though, like specifically working on the standards that she needs to make sure she's going to be able to pass uh, within basic training though. Uh, outside of that, um, I'm doing some diversity of things like you're talking about, like some of the uh, farmers carry walks and, and some different things that I think are just great for general fitness mobility. But I, you know, it's funny going into basic training. I remember thinking like, Oh, this is going to be physically hard as fuck it was a mind, it was a mind fuck. Don't get me wrong. And and there were physical aspects that were hard, but I would have never thought to train isometrically. And half the time, the hardest shit I did was holding my footlock over my fucking head or something, you know, stupid. I'm like, I would have never thought that I'm like jogging and shit thinking this is going to make me better at boot camp. I'm like, Nope, not even close. (laughs) What what about you, Doug? If you had to prepare anybody or quite a bit. And I always do it with the caveat. I'm like, how you should train for selection is not how you should train once you're selected. I mean, they have to meet the standards, right? So I, I try to balance, like, I want you to meet the standard, but I also want to keep you healthy too. And like train you in a way that I think is actually useful besides doing a million pushups and a million sit-ups. Cause again, wh- those are only tests because they're logistically very easy to do. I don't think a, a, a one minute push-up test really has a lot of diagnostic value and even things like sit-ups, like people don't really do sit-ups anymore. It's not like that much of a thing. Um, I, I, even from like a risk reward standpoint, like people can argue, Oh, it's not that dangerous or it is. But to me, it's like when in real life, do you ever try to 
go on and off the ground and flex your trunk repeatedly. There's other ways to like <laughs> train the core, if you want to call it, if that's the word you want to use. But yeah. so if you're being tested on it, I've got to prepare you. So I try to balance like, all right, we want you to meet the standards and do well and not just skate by where then you're one of those people that has, is under the microscope, but also train you for the, the long term as well. So it's a, it's a balancing act because, you know, we don't get to make the standards. They are what they are and you've got to get yeah. people ready for it. Yep, that's true. And it's, uh, yeah, and, and it is what it is. It's like you said, with this girl, I'm like, like, I, I almost kind of cringe a little bit that I've got to like really make you proficient at like these kind of like what I think to be, you know, just yeah s- silly things, but I'm like, it is what it is. You, you got, you know, actually, you know how I feel is, um, I teach a personal training certification school. So I cert- currently certify trainers. Uh, we have like an affiliation with NASM and, and so, training trainers is an interesting thing for me because obviously being a very passionate fitness professional, I want them to get practical advice that is going to make them good trainers in the field. That's going to make them successful. But I also have to teach them to pass the goddamn NASM test. Yeah. And I'm like, like I got to teach you this OPT model. And, and I'm not saying it's the worst in the world, but I'm like, this is a cookie cutter linear periodization cycle that is lacks any, like if you had somebody doing stabilization and balance for six weeks, you're going to lose that fucking client. You know what I mean? Totally. I'm like, yeah. so it's just not real life, but, but it's like, you got to know this for the, the test. So, and this is not, I mean, this is not unique to our field, right? Like if you talk to any teacher, it's the same thing. Every teacher is trying to balance. We need these kids to pass the standardized test that some bureaucrat who's totally disconnected <laughs> created. But I also yeah. want my kids to like learn useful things. But if you don't, get them to pass the test, then you're going to lose your job. And then the kid's Mm -hmm. parents are going to be mad at you. So you're trying to chase like, well, we all got into these professions because we want people to actually learn things that are useful, whether it's, you know, math or fitness stuff or physical therapy. But at the same time, like we have, you know, these top down initiatives that are telling us that we have to meet certain standards and it's always a balancing act. Like no one, it's not unique to any one field, right? Yeah. What's interesting is how I think that we're, you know, I, I see a mixed bag, like in, in personal training anyway, but, um, I feel like there's a lot of folks that are really good at being students now, you know, like, like there are a lot of really, like, it's always the folks that they, you know, they've got the degree. I mean, look, I love my wife to death. I I really do. She's an amazing human being. She is a, she's good at being a student. You know, she's got the degrees she's got the, but rarely actually uses them. Right. Because there, there is this, this distinct separation between practicality and being able to be a good student. And, and, I, and I, I find it to be interesting. And I wonder how the market event, like our, you know, when you go into a job interview nowadays, is, is it more of a conversation about degrees or, or are we going back to the days where like, you know, experience and just, just practical street smarts, if you will, matter more? Um, it, I feel like we're in a weird muddled up place right now. Oh yeah. Especially yeah. because there's so many guys with jobs, um, who they don't teach in school. And I would even say for me, I have a degree in radio, but at the time where I went to school for radio, I podcasting was barely a thing. I barely ever heard of it. And this is how I'm making a career now. Now I'm sure they're incorporating that into education now, but there's plenty of people who work in this field who did not get any type of degree in radio nor any education in podcasting because it, it still is kind of in, in its infancy. So I know exactly mm-hmm. what you're saying. You can connect it with yeah. many things. Um, the last thing I was wondering that I want to get into with both of you guys, and we kind of hit on it before we were recording, you were saying, CJ, that you were thinking of going the physical therapy route when you left the Marines, but ended up going the route that you did. Uh, what would you suggest to people getting out of the military, which I'm sure there's many of them listening, 
who are passionate about fitness and want to make this career a career in some way, the way both of you have? Man, I, I'm interested to see, uh, I see what you think about it. Uh, so I, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I have a hard time swallowing the pill of the, um, I think the, the, the education system that is set up like, like, you know, to go through and get these high level degrees and, and, and the, the, the horseshit that you have to deal with, the money you have to spend, half of these people end up in debt somehow. Uh, you know, I, I think about my wife went to a, a private school, you know, went to Baylor. She has a sports, she's a sports science bachelor's degree that we're probably going to be paying on for who knows how, who knows how long. Um, there's a part of me that I want to, I want to say like, like to somebody, you know, like, Hey, yeah, go, go chase after a degree so you can get like a, you know, a PT job and, you know, you'll have certain opportunities that'll open up for you. And then as somebody that didn't take that route, that went the 15 week certification route and then became an entrepreneur. And my second year as a trainer had a six figure income. It's hard for me to suggest the the latter, you know what I mean? Uh, now with that said, I think that you also have to separate the passion side of it. What, what I had that come to the reason I didn't go PT had nothing to do with school though. Um, the reason I didn't go PT was because I had to really have a hard, like honest conversation with myself. What specific arena in fitness am I passionate about? Like what type of people do I want to work with? And I realized that I, I wasn't really interested in rehabbing people or working with people that are broken. That's no, obviously no offense to people. That's it's fucking amazing. It's kind of like school teachers. Like, I'm not great with working with kids, but there are people that are fucking amazing at working with kids. I just got to be real with myself and say, that's not me. Um, what I liked, I was passionate about taking somebody that's a healthy individual and seeing how far we could take it. It's like, let, let's, let's see if we can catch this motherfucker on fire. You know what I mean? Like, like build a hot rod. And so that's where personal training just was an organic fit for me. Right? Like I didn't need to be a physical therapist to, to do that. Um, and also for me, I also recognized that I was, I was good at talking. I was a good, uh, you know, people person, naturally more of an influencer. It was easy for me to fit the entrepreneurial slash personal training world. Right. Um, so I don't know if, I don't know if that really helps hundred percent, but I will tell, you know, most folks that personal training would be at least, even if you end up going PT, Personal training would be an easy introduction that would be low cost for you to get to know whether or not this industry is for you. So that'd be my two cents on it. There's a, I'm going to answer this in a roundabout way because I love the points that you made about academia. And I still think that the best way to learn most things is through the apprenticeship model, not by sitting in a classroom. So part of the reason even why I went to physical therapy school is not because the information I learned in the classroom is so valuable. It's because it granted me access to people who were working in the kinds of settings that I wanted to work in. And I had four months of unlimited access where I was basically their sponge. And it's, it's like podcasting. Like you can read about it in textbook, sure. but you probably got better at it by watching somebody do it. And then you figured it out. Right. Um, and that's why, and, and by the way, doing it yourself and, and you probably have the same thing with recording yourself. I, I listen to every podcast oh, yeah. and, and I say, I hate that I did this. I hate the way I yeah. said this and, and being, you know, critical of yourself, which I, it plays into exactly what you're saying that you can't learn that in a book. Right. And, and so even this idea now, like this whole free college movement, I actually think it's a terrible idea because it perpetuates the notion that you can only be validated through these academic institutions. It yeah. gives them the monopoly on like, we're the gatekeepers to everything. Like wh what is college really making you good at? It's making a lot of people wealthy at these institutions 
but they become echo chambers and I don't think they're the best places for learning anyway. Maybe this is just me yeah. too and a sidebar here, but it's also very, I think, and coming from a guy in New York and you too, kind of coastal elitist because some of the highest paying jobs are petroleum engineers and stuff that you can get an apprenticeship for if you're in a certain part of the country. I mean, those are high risk jobs, Interesting. but you don't have yeah. to go to college to do that. Right. And, but I mean, in most places you need now even a graduate, I mean, you can have a law degree and it doesn't guarantee you a great living these days, which is why what CJ did is so unique. I mean, I think that to really answer the question, like you've got to figure out what is it that you actually want to do? And then, you know, it's not perfect, but try to find people who are doing it and model yourself after them. I mean, I, I went the PT route because I wanted to be able to, even though I actually kind of identify more as like a performance oriented person, like a trainer, I wanted to be able to have oversight over that whole process. Um, so like if you're working with an athlete, especially a high level one, most of them have pretty extensive injury histories. And even if you're not rehabbing them acutely, it helps to have a rehab background to understand how to train them at a higher stage. Um, yeah. and just going to physical therapy school gave me a little bit more of like a biomechanical and a physiological background that I think yeah. ultimately made me better as a practitioner. But my situation yeah. was also unique because like I knew that I didn't join the military to get the post nine 11 GI bill. I didn't even know that was the thing, but like I'm not 300 grand in debt, like my classmates, because I got to go to a yeah. private school and have the GI bill pay for it. So when people ask me, they're like, well, I kind of want to do what you do, but should I go the trainer route, the massage therapist route or the PT route? I'm like, well, it depends. Like, are you 30 years old and do you have a good job? Like, do you want to spend the next three day years not making any money and going into debt? Yeah. Or are you 22 just out of college where like you're already in debt and now's the time to take on more? Yeah. Or like, do you even want to take on any more debt at all? I mean, these are things that are very individualized, but you've got to start with like, what is it that you actually want to do? And then try to figure out like, if it's, if it's a, if you need a medical credential to do that, there's no getting around it, but like, in, in, you know, you're, yeah. Yeah. I, I, so what's interesting is like, it's interesting you saying that because you're right. Like having your PT background, you, it, it opens up a certain, uh, doors for you. Like, and, and if, if anything, it, it really, um, has you shine on a piece of paper. Like, like if you were to talk to like, say an NFL athlete and it's like, I'm going to be your performance coach, but I'm also a physical therapist. That, that's fucking clutch, right? Like, like anybody, uh, is going to say like their dick's going to get hard when they see like, I want to pick that guy. Right. Yeah. I like, I get it. Um, what I think that, and, and that's something that you have to address in general, whatever you, you end up doing is that, that your resume, um, however you build that. But I actually found a little bit of a loophole around that. And it's not to say that, obviously I can't prescribe, uh, I can't be the guy to treat or, or prevent, you know, your illness or whatever, if you have a you know, torn meniscus or something, uh, legally. Right. But, um, what I, what I realized, I was like, you know what we have, we live in the information age. I, I, I understand this stuff. I basically spent my first like six years as a trainer making every waking moment a, an opportunity to learn. And I constantly was digging, I was following the, the higher level researchers. I'm trying to, uh, but I'm self-teaching right now. I don't have it. I didn't have a piece of paper, uh, to back me up. And, and that sucks because then it's like, well, how do people know that you're smart? You're like, maybe you are smart, but how do you, how do you really? So for me, my hack on that was the fitness modeling, the bodybuilding, the influencing. I use the leverages around me to say, you know what? Like, the booty girl from Instagram kind of has a hack there. Right. So that's, that's going to be my degree, if you will, is, is, um, I'm the guy that shakes more hands than the next guy. Right. Like, but, but I could have gone the degree route. Um, 
and, and I'll be honest with you, if I was in a better, if I was in a situation right now, like I would love to have a PT degree just to say I did it. You know what I'm saying? Like just say I have it. So, um, yeah. And I didn't even think about the, the fact that here in Texas, especially if you're a, uh, a mil- military, uh, signed up in Texas, you have the, or the hazel or not the hazel, is it the hazelwood act? It's, I don't know, something where essentially like you have unlimited college money, uh, basically. So yeah, I guess you won't be going in debt. <laughs> no, that's a that's great, great point. Like the world, I mean, we live in a superficial world where like people are going to judge you based on the paper. So, but you found a way to kind of, you know, draw people's attention through other means. It's just going to be harder Not to taxes. do that. So that, <laughs> but like, I, that's really impressive. Cause you did it, you did it the real way, like the no bullshit way. Like, and that's why a lot of, especially the more academic types, they'll, they'll kind of shit on people who are like social media influencers and who maybe like probably and have more understandably. Inst- so though, like, yes, like there's but, a lot of shitty ones out there though. You at, know what I mean? At the same time, it's like they're doing something right that you're not doing. Like you, you can be, you can be what you, the theoretically best practitioner and have the most knowledge, but part of like gaining access to people and being able to apply that knowledge is the promotional aspect. So there was a time even in my career where I was like, Oh, like these people suck. Like, why does this person have this much influence? But it's like, all right, like what can I learn from them? Because you can, you can be like the comic book guy from Simpsons where you're like this nihilist and it's like, <laughs> I'm just so much smarter than everybody. I'm this misunderstood genius, but great. Like you have yeah. to be, you have to be, you have to be relatable and people have to like you. And if you can't do that, then it doesn't matter how much, you know, so there is, you know, what's cool. Yeah. It's cool about you and I is like talking because, so I, I used to say this forever. I'm like, like the, the, the thing is, is that we have these different pockets of society. Right. And I, I call them like my people or your people or whatever. Right. It's like, like we have these different segments of society. And I think that the, the only answer to any sort of, um, you know, what, whatever's wrong within that, that community is policing ourselves. It's not yelling at the guy across yes. the fence. Right. And, and it's interesting to me because I, I say like, I, I came from the social media influencer back. I came from the, the, the millennial of, of the Facebook millennial, right? Like I'm, I'm, I'm the, the YouTuber, right? So what's interesting is I come at the same way you do though, but I speak for my people and I, I kind of come down on influencers a lot where I'm like, congratulations, you're fucking popular. I'm not impressed. Be smart. You know what yeah. I mean? And you're kind of saying it the alternative way, like congratulations, you're smart. But we're meeting in the same uh, place you know. actually. Yeah. Yeah. I knew yeah, this would just, be an excellent pairing. Yeah. So kudos to myself. No, this, this was uh, this was a great discussion and it flew by. And for the audience, it's so funny because I shot an email to both these guys and I was like, what topics are we going to cover? And you guys were like, oh, we'll come up with it on the fly. And we covered a lot of ground here with really very little prep for this show because I, I think it just made sense to have both of you guys from similar but different backgrounds get into this. And I also have a passion for fitness, so it was enjoyable to be able to get into something different than the usual door-kicking stuff this uh, podcast covers. Um, with that, as always, be sure to check out Crate Club once again. It's a club for men, by men, of gear handpicked by special operations veterans. We have the Dash One Crate, the Pro Crate, and for those looking for the holy grail of gear subscriptions, our premium crate. These are all available at CrateClub.us, and right now we're running an extremely limited promotion of 20% off for all SoftRep Radio listeners. That's the biggest discount we've ever made available, and we don't know how long we can keep that live, so get on it right now. That's CrateClub.us, coupon code SOFREP for 20% off any gearbox. Sign up today. Also, as a reminder for those listening, now is the time to sign up for the Spec Ops channel. 
Our channel that offers the most exclusive shows, documentaries, and interviews covering the most exciting military content today. The Spec Ops Channel Premiere Show Training Cell follows former Special Operations Forces as they participate in the most advanced training in the country. Everything from shooting schools, defensive driving, jungle and winter warfare, climbing, and much more. Again, you can watch this content by subscribing to the Spec Ops Channel at specopschannel.com and take advantage of a membership for only $4.99 a month. That's specopschannel.com. Sign up today. Last, if you're not already signed up at thenewsrep.com, you've got to get on board expert reporting and actionable intelligence from your favorite writers you've heard on here, like Jack Murphy, who is in Italy this week with his wife, Benny, uh, and of course, Alex Hollings, and the many guest writers who pop up as well. Unlimited access to NewsRep on any device, unlimited access to the app, join the War Room community, invitations to our exclusive events, and it's all ad-free for members. We have a trial offer up right now where you can get four weeks for only $1.99. Sign up for that right now at thenewsrep.com. That's thenewsrep.com. And uh, by the way, for those not in the know, we have our own SoftRep Radio app that you can download for free on iPhone or Android. And our homepage is softrepradio.com, where you can listen to our full archive of shows, including CJ's show. These lights keep fading on me. I don't know why. CJ's show and the show that we did with Doug and Jack, where we kind of got more into your Air Force PJ background and your combat background. Um, and you know what? The last thing I want to cover here, because someone sent it to me, and I thought this was worth uh, mentioning, a listener actually messaged me on the Softrep Radio page and sent me this article. So this uh, woman's Army Air Corps officer and World War II veteran, uh, she's turning 100 years old. Sarah Parsons uh, is turning 100 on Sunday, April 21st. And according to a post on the Wisconsin Never Forgotten Honor Flight's Facebook page, she said that she's, you know, setting this challenge to have, as she puts it, bazillions of birthday cards. So I think it's well worth it. An original women's Army Air Corps officer and World War II veteran so if you want to write this down and send her a card, it's Sarah Parsons, Care of Renewed Liberty, 2511 8th Street South, number 138, Wisconsin Rapids, Wisconsin, 54494. And this is originally from, um, if you go to waow.com and look up Sarah Parsons, you'll see the article. Um, but yeah, if you want to play that back and write it down, uh, yeah, I mean, it's 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 great that we have veterans turning 100 in this country still and i sometimes forget that we're the last people who are going to get to meet some of these people from world war ii i mean i've met probably a good dozen holocaust survivors in my life and i think about like for people with kids they likely will never meet these people we had on the podcast captain jerry yellen who flew the last combat flight over japan in world war ii he's gone now we had, a, we had one of the guys who was there on pearl harbor on the podcast, he's no longer with us. So these guys are the end women are not going to be with us for much longer. So you really got to cherish our time with them. Sure. Yeah. You know, I actually had an opportunity with zero bunker to uh, meet a guy uh, by the name of Don Graves. And he was standing on Sarabachi when they raised the flag. Wow. And it's just, it's like, I mean, just to be in the same room with a human being like that is just unreal to me, you know? Yeah, I, I've felt that. It, it's just a great honor. And uh, if you get a chance to meet these people, go for it. And and it's more than getting, you know, a selfie with them. Get their experiences, and they, they have a great story to tell. But get the selfie, too. 
Yes, sure. Um, <laughs> Says the social media influencer. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Doug's website is res- resilientperformance.com. Your personal Twitter is at GreenFeetPT. If you go to resilientperformance.com, it's got the Instagram and Twitter, yep. I know, for Resilient Performance and the podcast. Uh, CJ is on Instagram. You're mainly just an Instagram so, guy, right? I, well, could I, is there any way I could like, so I, I plug I, whatever I, you I want probably, here. This is your, this is your I, Gene Simmons moment. I guess. Yeah. He was say. probably going to, I figure. I figured this is the time where you shout out like our, our Instagram handles and stuff. And I, yeah. I totally appreciate it, but I actually wanted to, uh, if I can. So my, my wife, my amazingly talented wife is a, a professional singer and she's really trying to get recognized. She's very very good. I don't say that lightly. Like a lot of people say they're good. She's stupid good. Uh, but she's Lindsay Ann official on Instagram. And if you go to YouTube, we've actually been putting together a series of professional music videos. So Lin- just put in Lindsay Ann cover or Lindsay Ann cover song. And we're doing currently covers, but, uh, anybody listening this far, please go check her out. Like give her the love. Like I- I'm, I'm good on followers right now, but you know, and you can follow me too. It's a N N or a N N E. So yeah, it's, it's Lindsay with the a Y and a N N official. This God, is the so ultimate we- millennial act of chivalry right here. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. I should be wearing like the dog, like the dog nose in the ears right now. Right, while yeah. I'm- yeah. <laughs> And and I will give out CJ's Instagram, which is at CJ Woodruff official on Instagram. Uh, and what what's your YouTube page if people want to check that out? Uh, I think it's also CJ Woodruff. Actually, you know what? It's just CJ Woodruff. I think yeah. I actually got the just CJ Woodruff. So YouTube forward slash CJ Woodruff. I'll be honest with everybody. I have not been consistent on my uh, YouTube uploads, but I have a fuck ton of vlogs you can go back through and watch. So, <laughs> what, what stuff are you going to do in the future? Because I know you were doing some podcast stuff. The last time you were on, you were doing the stuff with Zero Bunker, which was similar yeah. to this podcast. But yeah, so so Zero is kind of made some changes, and so they they stopped doing the podcast. I I'll be honest, with you man. Like I went through a weird phase. Like I think I'd said on the last like uh, podcast, and I was trying to like really find like. I was trying to really get reinvigorated about stuff, you know? And so that kind of led to a lot of inconsistency with posting and trying stuff and like realizing like, yeah, it's not really for me. And, uh, I have such a great group of followers though, man, like the, these subscribers and stuff have just like, I, I swear I could just post a, Hey, what's up? And people are like, yeah, man, that's awesome. You know? And, and so they're, they're amazing. I just, I, I do feel a little guilty because I want to get more consistent on it. And so I just recently got back into the fitness world. Um, I actually started a company called Savage Coaching. And I'm going to be honest with you, it's very much in the infancy right now, but imagine fucked up savage memes meets high level academic fitness. That's basically (laughs) what we're going to be doing. And, uh, so I think it's going to ensue a series of probably vlogs and educational content. And I've got a whole lot of of stuff and I actually have a team of people I'm working with on this. So it's going to be a big, big, we got a, we got an app. Uh, it's a huge project, but I hate to like send anybody over there just yet because I'm like, we, it's so new that we're still like, there's a lot of infrastructure we need to work on though. Cool. Well, I, I'm sure if people follow you on Instagram as this, as it progresses, you'll let them know. Um, yeah, but that's really it. Have a great weekend, everybody. And Oh, I'm about to hold it up and I, we don't even have video for this podcast, but in front of me, I do have Murphy's law, pick up Murphy's law by Jack Murphy. It's out this coming week. So that's why he'll be back in New York. Uh, I'll be back next podcast. I've started the book. It's excellent. It's getting great reviews so far from the people who got advanced copies. And all I could say, because I don't want to give anything away, I was telling Doug one story in the book uh, before we recorded. It is basically as candid as it gets. 
if you're a fan of like Jocko Willink, uh, Leif Bab in the Extreme Ownership book, this is in that same category and even credits Chris Peranto near the end of the book because Chris talks about the times that he fucked up and the times that he did things wrong. And Jack was inspired by that to not do a book of look how awesome I am, look how badass I am. He does get in detail about all the times that he he didn't do things the way he should have. And it took a lot of balls to really put that to paper and put it out. And I hope and, and believe this book will be a giant success. It's on Simon & Schuster. So this is the first book Jack's done that's on a major imprint. He's done several fiction books self-published, but I think this will be a big one. Awesome. Very cool. Thanks, guys. Thanks for doing this. All right. Thanks for having me. Good See you all later. You've been listening to Soft Rep Radio. New episodes up every Wednesday and Friday. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Soft Rep Radio.